uh, well, it's, uh, you know, this week um, was uh, an interesting week. But it sure is great to have a sovereign God, isn't it? Because if we didn't believe and know that our God is sovereign, I think there are things that happen in our lives and, and in our community that would just really throw us for a loop. And, and they still do, but what we do then is we get thrown for a moment or two, and then we come to the sovereign Father who is good and who is in control. Um, Tuesday, uh, I was driving home from work, and, and I had the radio on, and I had heard that there was a, an accident in San Jose with a, a police officer and a motorcycle. And just kind of in my head, just stopped and prayed as I was driving, and, uh, you know, was concerned. And you could tell as the day went on that it was getting worse and worse. And then I, uh, Karen, later in the evening, had uh, just said, oh, no, Ron, we know, we know the officer. And uh, Officer Mike Catherman passed away in a, in a motorcycle accident. Some of you have fellowshiped with him and know him and his family. He was in my youth group in San Jose uh, way back when. And um, I know his parents quite quite well. We haven't kept in tons of contact over 20-something years of being uh, with them, but I, I sent them a text, and it, it hit hard. You know, it was, uh, it's sad to see, and we don't know God's ways. You know, sometimes, I'll admit, you know, I don't know if a pastor's supposed to say it, but sometimes, as I was singing, you know, God is good. His ways are higher than ours. They're too wonderful, the psalmist said. And we may not understand. On, on, I gave him a day or two, and then on Thursday, I just sent a text over to him and, and just said, you know, even through the years, I think of you often. We actually have a picture from them that they gave us of a Bible verse during a pretty hard time of ministry, uh, Tom and Diana did. And uh, I just said, we love you guys. We're praying. Our hearts are broken. And she said, you know, we're in the procession now. And thank you for your text. Um, God is in the details and God is in the timing. So be in prayer for this precious family who loves Jesus. And uh, I know Mike did. He's with, you know, Mike would say, hey, I'm with my Savior. I'm not coming back down. <laughs> you know, even as everything we, you know, we don't know yet what heaven's like. We, we don't see it yet with clear eyes. But I do know this. If God takes one of us home, we don't mourn as those who do not have hope. We, we, and it's, it's a paradox. My, my grief is really for the family and the children, but for Mike... He's with his Savior. And so that's a wonderful thing. But be in prayer for this family. I know many of you I was able to see from Facebook and such that you know them and their friends. Um, just, I think the best way we minister is by prayer. Don't ever, ever underestimate the power of the saints praying for God's people. It, uh, it does a supernatural thing. I, I texted the verse, may the peace that passes all understanding. I said, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is standing guard in your hearts, in your minds, and just wrapping them up in peace. And so, um, you know, it's strange. That kind of put me in a weird mood to pick the songs that we picked. Uh, but I just thought, you know what? We rejoice no matter what the heart is feeling. We rejoice in what we know. We remind ourselves of who God is, even in times of grief and sadness and times of joy, because God doesn't change. So thank you this morning. It was a time of ministry to my own heart to be singing with God's people this morning. And he is good. And guess what? Sooner than we think, we're all going to be together before the throne of God and singing praise to him. And I am looking forward to that day. But until then, we press on and 
We live a life of grace and we live a new life in Christ, which is where we are in our study. In Ephesians 4.28, this is our verse today. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, it's time. It's time for the weekly reminder. And I know many of you might even be saying right now, look, Ron, we know. We know that it is God's grace that enables and fuels our obedience. We know this, right? I say it every week. I am under compulsion to say it every week. You see what happens here. I feel really strongly about this, and the scripture is really clear on this. So even if I repeat it, we have to emphasize this truth, that it is God at work in us. It is really my duty and my calling to proclaim to you the truth of God's grace. You see, we are called to obey. That is an absolute truth. These are not suggestions. These are commands of what we will do when we have a new life in Jesus Christ. But our obedience is different than other people's obedience. For example, we could tell people not to steal, correct? If they don't know Christ, are there very good reasons not to steal? Yes. What's one of them? Darren, what's a reason not to steal? Prison. (laughs) Right? So someone could go through life and never steal, but yet in eternity they will feel the fires of hell and experience that. You see, obedience... We can tell people, get your anger under control, and they will start to exercise human tools to control their anger. They'll go to anger management. What do you do when you're angry? Well, instead of yelling, I think I'll just pinch myself real hard. I'm making that up. I don't know. I haven't been to anger management. By God's grace, I don't consider myself a very angry person. Uh, I don't think my... Well, my kids would say, when I do get angry, it's a fun thing. But I haven't been to anger management. I don't really see the need. It's not what I'm known by. Um, Stop there. But people won't still. They don't want a bad reputation, right? There are many reasons people want to do, do not lie, that they want to tell the truth. They don't want a bad reputation. Earthly success can be ruined by a liar. They don't want to be known as a lawbreaker. And maybe they've been stolen from themselves, stolen from themselves. Maybe they've had their house broken into and they know it's a violation of privacy. And it's a violation of, of your personal space and of your peace. It robs you of so many things. But why do we obey God? Why does the believer obey Is it fear of consequence? No. The good news is we don't have consequences and condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we fuel, uh, we obey because God enables us to. And it's a life of joy that comes from obedience. We don't obey for a fear of punishment. 1 John says that his commandments are to burden. So obedience is not a laborious task. It's not a burden. You see, God is not calling us to a life of obedience that is heavy-handed. 
He's not called us to fear. He's not calling us to a life of obedient misery. He is calling us to an obedience that the world and those that are apart from Christ and separated from Christ can never really ever fully understand. God is calling us to this. God is calling us to a miraculous and glorious, energizing obedience. And it's God's grace that fuels this and does this. And we have to remember it. Remember verse 25 of where we're at in Ephesians chapter 4? It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give, the, give no opportunity to the devil. Today's verse. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Paul here is pointing back to what? Verses 21, 22. To put off your old self. You see, in Christ, we get rid of the old and we put off the old self, which belongs to what? Your former way of life. This is no longer, we no longer live this way if we're in Christ. We put off our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is what? Corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. And listen to this, created after the likeness of God. So our new self is going to look like God. It's going to look like Jesus in true righteousness and holiness. We are to have a life that is righteous and true and holy. God empowers this, for by grace you have been saved, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Then verse 25, therefore, because you're new, live this way. And I just have to say that. You see, if all we do is teach obedience, 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 it. It just becomes kind of like the Pharisees. This is the rules. We can have rule followers whose hearts... How many of you ever followed a rule you didn't agree with? How many of you have ever obeyed and just grit your teeth doing it? This is the stupidest thing ever, you know. <laughs> How many of you were in the military? Thank you. I really, truly appreciate your service to our country. You know why I'm not in the military, wasn't, didn't join? I saw my brother graduate from Marine boot camp. And I got to tour the, the, the depot as he graduated. And I saw the drill instructors just yelling like crazy. You know what? My heart is too hard. I'm too rebellious for that kind of thing. I'd be like, what? Jumping? No. That's, that's my natural reaction. Now, ultimately, when I'm there, for fear of punishment or for duty, a sense of duty, I would have obeyed. But I know in my heart that I'm a rule breaker. And I'm like, the military's not for me. I don't fit. I don't, I don't fit under that kind of a structure. But we, as Christians, we put off the old self because the old self is broken and it's corrupt and it fuels bad desires that come from deceit. See, the old way is constantly lying to us. Satan constantly lies and says, this is better, this is better, do this, do this, this is happiness, this is joy, this is peace, and all it is is death and destruction. Verse 21 
It says the new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And the truth is in Jesus. So we are those who have received a miraculous gift, the gift of miraculous obedience, joyful obedience. We have a new life, we have a new self that is created from God, and we are a new creation in Christ. And I love this verse. The old has passed away, and all things have become new. Our obedience is God's work. It's, God creation. it's God's creation within us, and it's, work in, and it's his work in us. That is why we call it the fruit of God, the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. It is a byproduct. It is the fruit of us being implanted with the Holy Spirit. And we produce things that are righteous, holy, and true. So we've talked about and we're talking about our new life in Christ. What our life will look like as new, a new creation. And I want to add a verse to encourage us. Just in case we forget. Because sometimes I forget. How do we live this miraculous, obedient life in Christ? How is a life of truth really accomplished? How is a life of joy versus anger? How does that happen? We live an obedient, powerful life by faith. By faith. We place our trust in God's work within us. You see, we believe in the gospel. We hold on to the gospel and we have lives that are centered on the truth of Jesus Christ. We live this verse, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Something died. What died? The old self. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I am thankful for this miraculous work that God has done through Jesus Christ in us. So now we have our next picture. We have our next purpose. We have our next truth of what new life in Christ looks like. And remember last week we had a simple outline? We're going to do it again. Remember last week? Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. And we just broke that down. We had a fun week in my house. Anytime someone even remotely started to get angry, one of the kids would say, are you angry? <laughs> Dad, you just preached that. Are you angry? Go away. Like, no, it's righteous saying, oh boy, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> we fight this, don't we? Here's our new one. Let's follow the same pattern. First, let the thief no longer steal. Second, but rather let him labor, performing honest work with his own hands. Third, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You're probably wondering during scripture reading today, where did that come from? Well, we chose this because it goes right with our text today. 
Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, performing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Okay, it's time for a pop quiz, but please answer only to yourself. Don't answer out loud, because what if you get the wrong answer, okay? Then you'll be embarrassed. I'm going to start with a couple easy ones. Is this stealing or is this not stealing? Let's just play a little quiz time. When someone takes a pack of steaks from the meat department and hides it in their jacket and tries to exit the store without paying for it, is that stealing? Don't answer aloud. <laughs> when someone grabs a pack of gum from the front checkout area each time they shop, is that stealing? When someone consistently takes an extra five to ten minutes a day on their lunch hour, or they take an extra five to ten minutes on their ten-minute break, is that stealing? If someone neglects to take the change, the coins, from the checkout area, and someone down the line looks and sees coins in their little bowl, is that a free bonus? Taking that, is it stealing? Someone doesn't lift the case of water and the watermelon out of the cart. As you're leaving, you see that you weren't charged. Is that a nice bonus? Are we thankful for their mistake? And we continue to walk out, or is that stealing? When we don't report cash payments given to us in our business and declare it as income, is that stealing? Mom says you can have one cookie and you take two. Is that stealing? You're in the produce department and the grapes look good, but before you buy them, you have to really make sure. And you grab a couple grapes. Is that stealing? Is it wrong to grab a sample from the bulk candy bin? Remember Brock's? They don't have those anymore. Remember the, like the butterscotch and the caramels? I worked at a grocery store. Man, you can't believe how many people feel free to take that. We say it was just one piece. Well, what if everybody on Thanksgiving week just took one piece of candy? Every shopper who walked in the store. Would that hurt? Is that stealing? Especially is when there's a little coin box sitting there saying, hey, here, free sample. No one does this anymore, but when you take a paper and you open up and you put your four quarters in for the Sunday paper and you open it up and you grab one and your neighbor decides to help themselves to another, is that stealing? Now, some of these are simple. They're stealing. Some of them might be a little more complex. But here's what I would say. If the Holy Spirit even comes close to prompting you that maybe this isn't right, it isn't right. Listen to the Spirit in these things. But stealing is wrong. You know, our society would flat out 100% agree that stealing is wrong, won't they? People hate to be stolen against or have to be uh, thieved. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> but we agree that stealing is wrong. Our society says stealing is wrong. But for something that we're all in such overwhelming agreement over, this world is full of thieves. 
Theft and stealing has been a plague on our society since the fall of man. You want to know why your property insurance is so high? Theft is part of it. You know why your auto insurance is so high? Theft is a big part of it. Do you know how many identity theft victims there are annually in this nation? 15 million with an M. Every year, 500,000 autos are stolen. In 2014, an auto was stolen every 46 seconds. Of the top 10 cities for auto theft in the nation, eight are in California. Guess what number one is? Modesto. Number four, Salinas. Number one car stolen, Honda Accord. Number two star car stolen, Civic. Number three, Ford Pickup. Thieves are Ford people, not Chevy people or Dodge, apparently. <laughs> yeah, because they're not smart. But if you ask anybody if stealing is wrong, all but the most hardened criminal and the most illogical person is going to say it's wrong. Yet, we buy safes. We hide money in creative waves. We bury it in holes in the ground. We lock our doors, we purchase alarms, we get a big dog, and we load our guns. Why? Because people are a bunch of thieves. Paul here says, let him who steals, steal no longer. You see, stealing is part of the old sinful self. And I'm going to say this, it is a large part of the old sinful self. It is obvious. That's why we lock. That's why we lock up. That's why you don't leave a Mac Pro laptop sitting on the front seat of your car. Because they will break the window and they will grab it. Whoever they is. And they who are doing it would say stealing is wrong, but I don't care. Because left to ourselves, apart from Christ, our hearts covet. And we want, and we want without doing the work. You see, stealing comes from a heart that is deceived and discontent. You know, I gave the quiz for a reason. As Christians, we're not immune to this. The illustration of the case of water and the watermelon, guess who that happened to this week? For the youth barbecue. Grabbed a case of water, grabbed a watermelon, grabbed a few other things. I don't like lifting things because my back has been very sensitive lately. And usually when I'm going through the line, I say, hey, catch the case of, of water, catch the watermelon. I didn't, forgot, and then I was, because I was grabbing some ice, so I leave the checkout area, grab ice, they get it done, I slide the card, pay for it the whole bit. Look at the receipt. Karen, am I missing something here? Just double checking, the watermelon on here? Nope. Water? Nope. So I go over to the quick check and say, we need to pay for this. You would have thought that they thought we were knuckleheads. They were so thankful. I can't believe you're coming back. I can't believe you're coming back to pay for this. Hello? It would be stealing to walk out knowing that you did. Now, an honest mistake can happen. I'm not saying go home and check your receipt and no, oh, no. You know, they left off the can of tuna. <laughs> Mistakes are going to happen. That is not what we're talking about. When, when you know something's missing, we are called as God's people to no longer steal. It's not a bonus, people. But in my heart, I'm like, whoa, 
And for a second, sorry, I will admit that I'm still being changed by Christ. There is something that wells up in the flesh that you go, ha ha, bonus time. <laughs> you can fire me next week. I'm just being honest. Stealing is a temptation, even in our new self. Satan tempts us to take shortcuts. Satan tempts us to steal. We're tempted to steal from our employer by slacking on the job and being lazy and taking long extended breaks. Employers can be tempted to rob from their employees by not paying them properly for their hours worked and the job they do well. Some are tempted to shoplift just for the thrill of it. They have a bored life. You ever see a Hollywood actress? You're watching TV, Hollywood actress who has tons of money arrested for shoplifting. What'd they steal? A shirt. Uh, I'm pretty sure your bank account has more than enough to cover the shirt. Why did you do that? I felt like it. Okay. The heart apart from Christ is wicked. And that's all of us. Satan will tell us that the stuff we want and the money we want is to be accumulated by whatever means necessary. This is part of life. People steal. Commandment number eight. Back in the Old Testament, what is it? Thou shall not steal. Jesus said this. And here's why people steal. They need a new heart. They need a new life. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Stealing is a part of the old life. It's part of the old self. It is part of the old corrupt man. And it is to be thrown away and thrown out. It comes from our heart. A deceitful, corrupt heart with corrupt desires. And so Paul says this, let him who steals, steal no longer. And he's not saying, hey, stop stealing so you don't go to jail. No, he's saying, live the life that you're called to live. You are new in Christ. You've been made new, so don't steal any longer. God has made you new in Jesus Christ, so now we live an obedient life by faith in God's grace. Are you a thief? Were you once a thief? I think if we're honest, we would say that at some point in our lives, all of us have stolen something. You want the good news? God forgives. He forgives the thief. I don't think it's a coincidence that it was a thief on the cross who confessed his sins and said, Jesus, you don't deserve to be up here, but I certainly do. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. We hate thieves, don't we? But the truth of the matter is, we have more in common with the thief than we do with Jesus until he makes us new. And so we need God's grace. You see, all of us, all of us must be renewed by the word and the work of God. Here's a great verse for all of us that will help us. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
All right, am I the only one who has a really hard time with that? We are so blessed in our country. We have so much, so much. And can I confess, I have so much, and I want more. I struggle with this. Be content with what you have. And I love that this was added in. For Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's the thing, a new life in Christ, this miraculous obedience that makes us so different from the world, it brings deep contentment. And you know why it brings contentment? Because we have Jesus. We have Jesus. And he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. And guess what? Can thieves take that? Never. Can thieves take everything else that we have in this life? Yeah. They can take loved ones through murder. They can take our stuff. They can take our cars. They can take our money. They'll never take Jesus. Be content with what you have. So do not steal. Let the thief no longer steal. But now, what instead of thievery? Rather, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Simply put is this. God wants us to work. God ordained and he set up work as the method by which we receive what we need. By the way, work is not a curse. I'll say it again. Work is not a curse. Work is good. Do you know work was in the garden before the fall? That's why we know it's not a curse. I also say this. I cannot wait for the new heaven and the new earth. We will have work. But it'll be work that is redeemed. It'll be work that brings complete joy because we'll be serving our Savior. But look back in the garden. God told Adam to take care of the garden. It worked. It was great. They had all that they needed. I don't think Adam was fighting the garden. He took care of it, and God provided. But then the fall hits, and the curse of sin enters the picture. And now we fight work. Work isn't bad. We bring the bad with it. The fallen creation brings the bad with it. We fight boredom. The earth now fights back with weeds and thistles, doesn't it? You've heard my garden stories before. We don't have time for it, but I am not a good gardener. Weeds, thistles, pestilence. We now work as fallen individuals within a cursed and fallen world. But understand, I'm going to say it again. Work is not a curse. We are called to work. Here's another reason I know work is good. God works. God is at work for his will and his good pleasure, right from Scripture. How else does God work? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. God works. So work is not a curse because our holy, perfect God works. 
And I really want you to understand this because I know we ache for retirement sometimes, don't we? Let the day get there. Why? Because we're tired. You know why we're tired? Because sin entered the world and we are breaking down. But God is a worker. And so we are to be workers. We work. We are to have jobs. And whatever we do, in word or deed, we do all for the glory of God. And Paul also says this, doing honest work with his own hands. As those who are made new in Christ, we are called to do good work. Honest work. That's what the text in the Greek is saying. Do good work. Do honest work. Look, you might need to evaluate your job. There are some jobs that, have, that a Christian, someone made new in Christ, really has no business doing. I will let the Holy Spirit do that work within you. If you wanted to talk about it, I would be more than happy to talk about it, but I am not going to stand from a pulpit and say, thus saith the Lord, you cannot work here. I believe the Holy Spirit will do that work within you. I fully believe in the power of the Holy Spirit for that. But some are pretty obvious. I don't think a Christian really could work for the mob. Duh. A hitman is not a good job for a Christian. To state the obvious. But there's some other ones. Our jobs can oftentimes put us in some pretty scary positions, can't they? I have given counsel to an accountant before who had to leave a lucrative job because the executives were asking him to fudge the books. Just a little bit. And admittedly, some of it was a pretty gray area. Is it legal? Is it not? Well, the IRS isn't really clear, so do it. But his conscience was stirred. And the Holy Spirit told him, I can't do this. And to his loss, financial, he stepped away from the job. Because God calls us to work and to do an honest, good work. And the Spirit may convict us of things that we shouldn't do in a job. In sales, when I was back in sales for floor covering, sometimes I was given a product that I just did not believe in. It had claims. It didn't work right. And the boss would be saying, hey, you need to sell more of this, sell more of this. And I would just look at the boss and say, I'll sell more of that, but I'm not selling that. This is pretty tough. But I didn't believe in it. I felt like I would be lying to my customers who I appreciated and who helped support my family if I said, I'll buy it anyways, put it in there. Don't, I, some, I was like the anti-salesperson. Don't put that in your store. <laughs> Don't put that in. It's going to give you nothing but headaches. Well, you sell it. You're supposed to sell it. I put this instead. To my hurt, you notice I don't sell floor covering anymore. To my hurt, that hurt me. Because the boss would say, do whatever it takes. But we don't do that as ones who are in Christ. We are honest in our working. Do honest good work. That's our new calling. Don't steal. People, be a great employee. If you're a boss or an employer or a business owner, be a great boss. Be a boss filled with the Spirit who shows love, patience, joy, kindness, gentleness. Treat your customers right. Be honest to your own financial hurt. If you even think you owe someone money, even if you probably don't, give them, give them the money. Be honest. God will bless it. Why? Like all these things, this is tied into our testimony. 
We live new lives in Christ, so we no longer lie. If we lie, it hurts our testimony. Be angry and do not sin. If you're known as an angry person, it ruins your testimony. If you're known as a cheat and a thief, your testimony is shot in the world. The glory of Christ is worth financial hurt. And so we obey. Plus, we work for different reasons in the world anyways. And this is radical. Point three, work for this purpose. To be able to share with those who are in need. Work hard to receive so that you can give. Okay, is that the American way? <laughs> Work hard so that you can get and you can buy. Work hard so that you can invest and make more. Now, are those wrong things? No, we are to be wise with our money. But ultimately, our resources are to be used for God's glory. So be wise with your investments and be generous. Say, whoa! I've been blessed. Look what I can do. I can help others. Any of you ever hear of a need that a brother or sister has and you just wish that you had the resources to just write a check right then and there? I said, man, I could help with that, but I can't right now. And so we do what we can and we're generous with what God has given us. Some of you, he's given great and you're so generous. And that's fantastic. Some of you don't have much. You're so generous. Praise God. Wherever you're at in the financial scale, be generous. Give of your time. Give of your resources. Give of your spiritual gifts. Give to one another. Encourage one another. Be generous, generous people. You may not have any money. Be generous in love and grace and mercy. We are called to share. You ask an American why they work, I'm going to say the number one answer is to get to retirement and to get out of debt. Maybe I'm wrong. I think I'm right. Next answer, get a better house. Or to get into a house. To get a better car. As Christians, we live a new life in Christ and we work for a radical, awesome reason. Miraculous obedience to God makes us generous. To give to others who are in need. Your job, your work, now becomes the vehicle to display the glory of, glory of God to others. We give to others because God gave Christ to us. We have Jesus. We're running out of time, but I guess I would say this. How many of you are like me and you convince yourself what you really, really, really want is a need. You know what I mean by that? I really, really want, I always want a guitar. You can never have enough guitars when you're a guitar player. It's just a sickness that you have. Because <laughs> they sound different. You need the, the tone's just not right. This, I mean, it's just a curse of the guitar, of the guitar player. But it's wonderful at the same time. And we justify it by saying the church needs different tone on Sunday mornings. <laughs> they do. You know, they're just getting tired of the Taylor tone. We need the Martin tone next week. Karen, I want a new guitar. Is that a want or a need? <laughs> Wrong answer. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear, yeah, go get one. 
We convince ourselves so often that what we want is, what, is, is a great need when it's really just what we want. Let us be people filled with the Spirit, laboring and working and using what God has given us to generously give to others. So different than the world, but that's our new life in Christ. The old way, stealing. New way, work hard, honestly, for the glory of God and give to others. You guys do this. There's so much generosity in this church. As elders, as pastors, we, we marvel and we thank God for how he provides and what he does. Thank you for that. Continue on. Be obedient to the Spirit. Be obedient. When you see a need, give. Let someone borrow your car. And you know what? If they wreck it, it was going to burn up someday anyway. <laughs> Relax. It's just stuff. And it belongs to God, and it's just a gift from him anyways. It does not really belong to us, does it? Let us be generous with our lives, with our stuff, with our finances. Let's just be crazy generous. Work hard so that we can bless others. Amen? Amen. We have a new life in Christ we're called to. Radical obedience, new life in Christ, brings a miraculous obedience that we can never do without Jesus Christ working within us. So we praise God for his grace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and we'll uh, close up in song. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for gathering us together. Lord, we thank you for this Father's Day. Lord, we thank you for even as we sang today that you are a good, good Father to us. And thank you that you fixed what was really broken. We were separated from you. We were enemies. We were dead in our sins, but you made us alive. You've blessed us and made us your children. And Lord, we say, as John said, behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are thankful that we are your children. We are your people. You are our Father. You are our Dad. And you are perfect and you are good and you are loving. And you are making us into the people we are called to be. Your grace propels us to a miraculous obedience that we can never accomplish by ourselves. So we thank you and we praise you for your grace. And so, Lord, this week, may we live continually a life of faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And may we be quick to share what you have done. It's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. Amen.